0: Welcome to Talking in Stations, an Eve Online podcast.
1: I am your host, Madderall, and I'm here with Carneros. Hello, I'm Carneros from the Bastion, and I like to think I'm one of the good guys.
0: And Artemis Albosa.
2: Howdy, howdy, I am unaffiliated and actually a good guy.
0: <laughs> and we have fleet commanders here, Killa Fleet. Or sorry, Killa B. Yes. That was a legit that's mistake, because you wrote fine, it. it that's fine,
3: that's fine. You're embracing the meme, I like it. <laughs> I'm
0: not. That was written in the notes. Somebody changed it.
3: Yeah, I changed the notes. All
0: right. I know you're a good sport about it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad you're super popular on Reddit right now. So, Killabee is here. He's nicknamed Flea. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Uh, we also have Jay Amazingness from Goonswarm. Ahoy
4: there.
0: Um, Also want to introduce, introduce from CO2... Uh, one of our new favorites, uh, Sebastian. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. And last time we talked, it had been just after the French won the World Cup, so you were in a pretty good mood. We are still older of the World Cup, so I'm still in a good mood. (laughs) All right, good. And then our final guest today was Kenneth Feld from Pandemic Legion. He is a master industrialist for Pandemic Legion. Uh, We'll talk about the war and more with him. How are you doing, Kenneth?
5: Uh, how's it going, Matterall? And uh, just to clarify things too, I was also top damage on the uh, Moloch kill, so uh, I'll destroy him just as quick as I can build him.
0: Damn! <laughs> All right, good. I
1: would have said something too if I were top damage.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to cut you short. I know you do a lot more than that, but you're an amazing industrialist. You're the guy that brought PL back from the brink after B Tech R.
5: Oh, I definitely had help. Um, I did probably forty percent of it, um, but I mean, this PL has branched out quite a bit in uh, in the industrial endeavors uh, since then. That started the growth, and it's grown since then. Yeah,
1: it's kind. Cool. I don't know about the rest of you, but how many people do you know who, in the last hour, was just handing out Titans to people? Like they, that guy,
0: like their spears on an armory. <laughs> Uh, it's like
1: hors d'oeuvres, sir. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Let's get into the let's get into the meat of this episode. Uh this week we are talking about the cataclysmic precursor to the final timer in NC's Keepstar system that is located in Pure Blind X47L-Q. Uh the armor timer, which was the fight before this last one, that's a showdown, I think, on Tuesday, was huge. And We'll talk about just how big that one was, Um, but it was um, one for the ages. I think it was right behind BTAC-R as far as expense, coming in at over 10 trillion uh, isk in damages. Uh, We saw 300, close to 600 titans fighting it out, actually engaging over a period of several hours. Uh, So yeah, we'll get into all that and get you caught up on what's been going on in this war with two fronts. Uh, I would say it's the biggest war EVE has seen in a very long time or maybe ever. Uh, It cannot be understated. Artemis, can you take us through some of the questions about uh, the Battle of X-47 and what led up to it?
2: Yeah. So first of all, there needs to be some context here, right? Why were people willing to commit so many assets to this particular timer on this particular Keepstar and this particular system? And... To, first of all, we have to mention that assets were able to be committed from the Imperium Legacy side, Imperial Legacy side, pardon me, because there was no Sinojammer able to be online in the system. This is because of sob mechanics, the iHub had been reset, no strategic index, no Sinojammer. And so, Imperial Legacy were able to commit their supers, and I'd like to hear from Killabee, Kenneth, what was the importance of this particular timer? Why did you guys take this fight?
3: Well, we've been hyping, we've been hyping Super and Titan form ups for for months now. Basically, since the whole war started kicking off and Goons came north, and I think um, you can only say so often this is the time you 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 know you will get a Super cap fight or whatever. Uh, and then one side stands down because there was a sign on Gemma. Then the other side stands down because the numbers were crap. And you know, there's so many factors that go into making a decision and taking a Super cap fight like this. And on Wednesday, everything just kind of lined up. Uh, there was actually, um, there was actually like a huge. One sec, my connection is red. Am I fine? Yeah, I'm okay. okay. It's back to green. Okay. All right, so there was actually like a huge disconnect wave in uh in Alltech N in the midpoint for Goons right before we um the fight was about to start, and Jay had a couple DCs in his fleet. I think it was a lot of people that crashed right. No N right before yeah. the fight started. Yeah, I couldn't log
4: back in for like thirty minutes
3: yeah so and i was actually really pissed and like worried that the fight wasn't going to happen because both sides were willing to commit this time both sides were ready to go in numbers were fairly even initially and everybody kind of just wanted to go and then a lot of disconnects happened and i actually told it uh, I actually said to jess like bro if this doesn't happen because of the disconnects we should go and like do a riot together but then it uh, it happened and uh yeah, for us i mean why did we commit well like i said earlier it's a it's a, it's a stage and keep uh, obviously people will commit for that and uh, i think at the end of the day we uh it was a very long fight like at least from my end i thought it was enjoyable because there was finally titans dying it was titans doomsdaying each other do de- devoluing. for me it was the the first fight uh, as well on that scale like i've seen a lot of shit over the years now but uh, if seeing a uh, super cap fight where both sides have semi-even numbers and you know what you're going into, trading the D-volleys and stuff, uh, that was a first for me. And I was excited to be, uh, to be a part of that. So, uh, yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah, and there is there's a mention in the in Twitch chat about the DDoS in advance. There was a, there was a distributed denial of service attack on uh, CCP well before the, the fight started. And then one of the things that CCP discovered in it was that the settings in the DDoS mitigation arrangement with the partner um, were, I think, hadn't been updated since after a change uh, that CCP had made in the configuration of, of Tranquility. And so the old settings were causing a separate problem. So they had to go back in and reset those settings with the partner and then redo the DDoS mitigation. I'm probably not describing it correctly, but there was, some, there was a technical issue on that end.
0: It sounds technical. <laughs> so you're probably close.
2: Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, go on Artemis. I was going to say, if you're interested in the technical details with that, there was a dev blog put out by CCP about that. So you can find that on their website if you want to dig in. Let's get back to the fight in X4.7 though, and I want to transition over to the Imperial Legacy side because uh, there's been a lot of chatter about motivations for this war. Can we talk... Most people are familiar with the background, the rivalry between the North and the South, as it were, in this particular engagement with goons being kicked out of the North previously. So there's a lot of bad blood there. And I find it interesting that Asher, of all people on Reddit, is saying that you guys don't even care about taking over the space. You're here for content and you're here for revenge. So is this X-7 fight, is this sort of exactly what you want out of this war? Yeah, we came up here to, you know, get
4: a fight like that and use our super carriers and our titans and do as much damage as we could. Gotcha. Not, we don't care about installing someone in the north. We don't care about, uh, you know, the space. We're not going to live in the space. We, we have better space, arguably, than the north because it's so spread out. But Yeah, you know, we don't really care. Who gets the space?
1: And we do have That's a really lot nice. of new Titan owners. And, you know, a man who, to uh, if someone gave you a really, really fancy hammer, the first thing you would look for is a nail. And so they're all kind of like thinking, oh, let's go get in a big fight with these things. And And honestly, the easiest way to learn how to fly one of these is in a big giant fleet with everyone else so that they can save your bacon when you screw up.
2: Let's, let's talk about that point of saving your bacon when you screw up. Now, the mechanics with the Keepstar, Super Capitals can dock in them, and Super Capitals can Tether to them. That provides a significant advantage to the defenders because Tether repairs HP, it gives you cap, it also makes you invulnerable, so you cannot even be locked, let alone be attacked. What um, particular advantage did that play out as in this fight, Killa? How did you guys utilize the tether that you had on your Keepstar to give yourselves an advantage?
3: Oh, well, Obviously, first of all, it didn't expose. Having our stuff tethered uh, means that not everything is exposed at all times. So, for example, we only really need to untether the, the facts that we need to wrap. The rest could stay tethered. Um, we did get really lucky. So, obviously, you have to... First of all, you have to say in, in, in a fight like this with the levels of tie that we had, the levels of lag we had, no mechanic works really reliably and tether wasn't unaffected by that. Some tethering worked fine, some tethering was really weird, um, but we did get lucky with a couple of titans. Uh, there was, I think, three or four D, uh, DD targets that goons um, were DDing um, that ended up just being tethered. So all their DDs fired on a target, but the damage never really like hit because... For some reason, it was tethered, even though it was locked and being shot, uh, and and that happened a couple times. And uh, obviously, towards the end of the fight, when we decided to uh it allowed us to pr- basically just tell everybody to you know stop shooting and then wait a while, and then people were able to dock up and uh, and we could end the fight at uh, you know at, at our choosing. And, uh, unlike goons who were uh, committed, right? Like if if the fight didn't go the way it did, and uh, we 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 held the upper hand uh, at the end, End, then uh, goons were sitting there in space, whereas we had all, we always had the ability to uh, to you know flee. So uh, that was uh, that was really good uh, for us uh, to use as defender mechanic.
6: A few other things we can say about the turn mechanics on how they play for us when we jump in, Titans and bumps and if they are lucky that load screen and I have to say that loading screen at jump was very good. You see you are bumping you can dock. A Goon Titan that bumps toward us, well, he's dead. And I think we doomsday two or three at the start. So that means you have a way out for a Bum Titan at the jump in. Another thing means is that we're is stettered. That means the first volley of Doomsday is for us, not for Goons. That means Goons have to doomsday afterwards. And one of the interesting consequences of that was that later in the fight, we managed, as Killaby said, to save several titans because when the goons are ready to doomsday, all are nearly at the end of their own aggression timer due to doomsday. So the goons log them, start doomsdaying. I was one of these titans. And we stopped aggressing on the tater if we are lucky. Catch us before the doomsday damage land. So those are other advantages related to the tater.
2: Let's hmm. talk about that tether mechanic in particular because there are a few things that have to happen or not happen in order for you to tether the ship itself that wants to tether can't have another lock target and it also can't be scrammed or pointed in any way and there's
3: there's important right it can't be scrammed or pointed above its warp core strength so unless you're being hit pointed if you're in a titan and you're being scrambled or pointed by 20 25 frigates you're still going to tether once you're once your aggression is up because the the cumulative whatever dude all all the points together cumulative uh, yeah cumulative need to be higher than your warp core strength and i think in a regular titan that's 50 points if i'm not mistaken uh in a faction titan that's 60 uh and in a super i think it's 30
2: I believe it also depends on your skills. Go ahead, Metro. Can we talk
0: about faction titans for a second? Because that's one of the reasons you're getting criticized. What's that about?
3: Oh, yeah. No, so, okay. So, um, when uh, one of the first targets, I think the first target that uh, Goons did was, um, I I think it was Darkness or CO2. Uh, Yeah, Darkness, Kanshin, Vanquisher. And the
4: the CO2 ones, but they were out of range. Yeah, a so Ken,
0: Kenshin, sorry, Kenshin Corporation in Guardians of sorry, in Darkness in Alliance. Darkness.
3: Yeah. So um and for us, so the the strategy going in for me was because so uh, we gotta look at we we gotta look at the fight in a bigger picture to understand uh what happened there. Basically um there was no way we were going to stop goons from reinforcing the Keepsa again, right? Because all you really have to do is have five titans shoot it with your long-range guns and the Keepsa will get reinforced eventually. Um, so there was no real way for us to achieve the strategic victory other than killing all their titans, which obviously wasn't going to happen in however you know, the amount of time we had, even if we had oh, yeah, fought until downtime. Uh, a, Go our, first,
4: our first Doomsday target was uh, Indian Bob uh, from CO2 in an Erebus. That was with the initial oh, okay. lines we jumped in. Then the second group, the armor group that we second armor fleet we jumped in was the on the vanquisher. You so think. that was the second target. Yeah.
3: yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, so basically, my strategy going into the fight and the strategy I had communicate uh, communicate with the allies was okay. So we're not going to stop them from putting this in the final. So what we have to do is we 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 make it as bloody as possible. We jump in. We commit what we have, and we make the we make the fight as bloody as possible. Uh, uh, it ended up not being as favorable as we hoped it would because stuff we can talk about a bit later. Um, but basically, um, the strategy going in was okay. Let's defend it. Let's inflict as much damage as possible to goons, and let's make the. Uh, I'm personally, I'm not a big fan of battle reports. I always think is war and shit doesn't matter, but. At, at that point, for us, it was the only thing we could use to achieve some kind of victory. It was like, okay, so if we can't stop them from reinforcing it, we just have to make the, the fight look incredibly uh, one sided for us. That, like, we have to make it look like we won by a huge margin on the ice war, right? That was the strategy going in. So when uh, when we stri- when we planned out the um, when we planned out the fight initially, I told all the alliance CEOs what I was like. Please try to like not bring your faction titans if they have a second Titan. I knew that some people were gonna bring theirs because obviously people are eager for the content and I didn't want to deny people their content. But at least for NC Dot, most pilots that own a faction Titan also have a regular Titan uh, on top of that. Um, and I, I asked the people, hey, can you just bring your regular one, please? So uh, the, the battle report looks good afterwards. Right. Um, but that didn't work out in the end. And that's when I that's why I made the call. Um, to when that CO two or darkness, sorry, a I was like, okay, let's get all the other ones that I that I hear anyways. Let's get them tatted up and deaggressed. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there was this uh, Asian chick that decided to stream the entire fleet with comms, and uh, obviously that you know made for a nice clip. And I'm I'm just embracing uh, the memes at this point. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, it kind of blew up on Reddit. Uh, people are now. You know there's there's a whole lot of good memes about it i don't know no country for faction titans and all and sure, all that other like good stuff
0: we just saw that poster but this is interesting because it's not a small point you also uh you being in cdot went and killed um i think a bunch of fortisards that belong to moa for the same reason not to give the invaders some kind of moral victory over more destruction
3: that, that was right? me just being really pissed to be honest dude those faction yeah. forts we killed were uh, a huge pain in the ass for a couple of weeks we tried to get them transferred from moa to co2 in the first place but they never did that so i kind of was just a little bit pissed with them and i um co2 was somewhat in charge of them so i asked uh the leader of co2 i was like bro uh what, what's with the what these faction thoughts like are we are I you ever gonna uh, get them i
4: think it's sister i think it's i think it's a woman that's in charge of co2
3: Oh, okay. All right. The the woman in charge of CO2. <laughs> Actually, no. Uh, the CO2 I, I asked CO2 her, is
6: like, de care and he's not a woman. Uh,
3: just say, can we kill him? Clear.
0: Who, huh? who, is clear of, who is the leader of CO2? Let's just get that clear.
3: His uh, leader
6: of CO2 is Quentin de care. I am part of leadership with DaVinci. Okay. There
4: you go.
6: Okay. Okay, Hand. All right. Um, so, whatever. What's the official line, you know?
3: Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, but basically, I was just really pissed at, at the fact that those are faction forts. It's like, okay, these, whatever. So we ended up killing them ourselves. That actually did create some memes on, uh, on, on Reddit as well, but it wasn't, obviously, there was no real recording with my voice saying, hey, let's, I, I, I think it was global, let's get all the faction titans de or whatever is what I said. And uh, yeah, that, that just kind of like going over and over on, on Reddit. And that's kind of what happened there. Right. But uh, baseline behind it, there was just the motivation of, okay, I just want i don't want like them killing all our faction titans because that will just give them a nice and easy uh narrative victory where they can just hurt oh we had this fight and we killed this many faction titans that was great right so that's why i didn't want it it's pretty straightforward uh but you know i i understand that uh people are are having a good time shitting on me for it so that's fine
2: <laughs> all right so memes aside then let's let's get back to the fight let's get back to some of the interesting things that happened and one of the biggest Twists that everyone saw, everyone pointed out, and I personally was very surprised by was Imperial Legacy jumping in a mass super fleet right on top of not only the Keepstar, but also the Titan fleet, the NC. dot All of the northern defending entities, their Titan fleet, they jumped the supers right in there. So, Jay, can you talk to us through what would, or Carneros, if you were in a part of that discussion, walk us through what was the decision making process there? So what? Sorry. So when you guys jumped your your super fleet, super carriers, not your titans, on top of the defending titans and the keep star, what was the thought process there? What was their purpose? So um, it's something we've been
4: thinking about for a long time. Is uh, how do we keep supers from or titans from retethering on keep stars? And we we we, we crafted like a mass fleet of hectors and cycling infinite points, but it just wouldn't work out. So we took tanky ships, which are Aeons and nixes. I just put two heavy Warp Scrams on them, which do uh, six points each, I think. And we just dropped them at zero and just tackled ma- uh, Mass Titans with them.
6: Yeah, you might want then to have people check their fittings, because they didn't have their six points.
3: With, uh, I always think have a... Actually, I actually have a question there for you, Jay. How so? On from from your POV, how how effective did you think they were? Because when we tried to deaggress towards the end, uh, and we we kind of they didn't do too much. Like I I had a hard time figuring out how effective they actually were. Uh, did you guys have some some so, results that you would be willing to share there? We, <laughs> it,
4: it works as well. It worked well, um, but it could have worked better because a lot of supers. Um, Saw salt dragon in Avatar and just burned at him. It was like, yeah, I'm just gonna tackle Sword dragon. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you, you call for spread points and like everyone, yeah, everybody points asleep. one guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. But uh, towards the end of the fight, though, when the server was working a lot better, um, we definitely took uh, like three or four.
3: But just heavy tackled. Nice, cool, did, okay. All did right, the frigate uh, bother you? Uh, no yeah the, I, I figured that fucking ECM freaks. i uh i uh I was surprised to see that move definitely. That was very interesting. i we did not expect that at all. I can say that pretty openly it was like suddenly you had that sino and I, I think it was like thirty initially that jumped in or like at least the first uh, when I asked oh, wait. I was like, wait, they're jumping in supers at zero on us. Yeah, it's like 30 nixes or whatever. Uh, there was like two vendettas in there too. And uh, I was like, okay, interesting. And then towards the end, uh, somebody was like, no, it's 160 on top of us. And I was like, oh, I guess they got a couple more. That was pretty interesting for sure. A very well, nice move.
0: So That surprised that's- you?
3: Well, yeah, so we, we, had, didn't, uh, we, we didn't expect that kind of move at all. So uh, that was a very interesting strategy from the, from the Imperium SCs there. Like, that's, that's a smart thing to do, because, you know, a full tank-fit Nyx or Aeon has half the EHP of a Titan. That's a really heavy if you're, tackle. If
4: you're like, so if you're shooting it with Titan guns, then you're, you're aggressing in your Titans and we can doomsday volley you, yeah? But if you're wasting your DD volleys on them, then you're wasting your DD volleys on a Nyx, which is, you know, 20 bill instead of an Erebus, which is 60.
2: Unless, of course, it's a Vendetta, in which case it's more than a Titan.
4: <laughs> yeah, there are
2: some Vendettas that jumped in, like Champs and, uh, and the the, the, the broke Bros. I think it's worth noting that these Supers still had their fighters, and I noticed while watching the feed of things which were dying throughout the fight, it wasn't until those Supers jumped in and got their fighters out that Faxes started to die in droves for the side of the Defenders. Was that sort of just a happy accent? Is that also an intended impact of your supers? Did you see any results benefiting your ability to DD Volley Titans as a result of these dead faxes? If the, if the server was um,
4: performing like, you know, a 0% part like in the perfect world, and we dropped supers like that, and we launched all our fighter bombers, uh, we would have like gone to town on Titans, you know, because that many nixes, it does a lot of damage. And uh, especially if you pop Volley. So we would have been killing Titans, but it, the server just it just couldn't it was, wasn't working uh, the way we wanted it to. So we made the call to switch to faxes initially, and then when we dread bombed, I think NC Dot and Friends counter drip bombed, but like 120 dreads just to kill
2: our dreads or whatever, and then we just yes. went, we just went on dreads, yeah. Let's talk about another mechanic that didn't exactly go as intended, and that was something that the defenders did to take advantage of the tether and the cap that they had received for it. So first of all, they fit active hardeners, which is something that the attackers did not. They had to fit full passive, which means their resists were lower, and also they couldn't overheat them. But you guys, Killa, you also fit capital emergency hall energizers, which for those who aren't familiar, it effectively, it was designed to make dreads able to withstand doomsdays, was the mechanic theory that CCP introduced it with. But what were you guys trying to use them for on your titans, and how did it go for you?
3: Yeah, so like Jay said, in a perfect world, the plan was that whenever we, when, when, whenever we, whenever a target, a Titan gets Doomsday Volley, he activates his Hull Energizer, which means he will be able to tank the DD Volley because it effectively gives you ninety-nine percent resistance in structure, or it makes you invulnerable in structure, so you're basically not going to die. Uh, the plan was. To whenever titan gets dd volley for him to activate his energizer and we were hoping to get an edge that way in the dd volley trading because if you trade with dd volleys you have to have have to come up with something to trade more effectively than the enemy but uh, the hull energizers obviously were also affected by tie dye which means that um when people were getting dd volleyed and tried to activate their hull energizer, there was like a huge delay and then it didn't didn't work out at all or uh, or something like that, which uh, so it ended, up, it ended up working way less uh, effective than we when we than we hoped it would. But um, yeah, I mean, some titans I are at least that's what my facts dudes told me and Doom told me is like some facts were definitely uh, some, some titans some were like, safe.
4: Uh, For example, uh, Salt Dragon tanked a little bit. He tanked 14 million damage. Yeah. Uh, like we put we put some like like 50 DDs into him, and like he went back up to like. Forty percent armor. Then, like we just went fuck it and just put another couple. Everybody, of them. yeah,
3: yeah. So that's so the Hull energizers were like a nice idea, and I think in a perfect world with zero percent tie dye, like Jay said, with their supers, uh, they would would be a huge deal. But unfortunately, in the tie dye, uh, they weren't as effective as we hoped. So uh, yeah, we'll see if we uh, go for them again. Interesting
4: to to notice that there's no way to to test that, is there? Like the test no. server, you can't recreate these perfect conditions that you want to test, like you that you'll be fighting in. So it's all yeah. theory.
3: You basically there's just one way to test it, and that's why these yeah. fights are huge because you learn so much, right? Like as a as NFC like, like as a this, this as a fight, group, you learn so much from a fight you know. like
4: that. Yeah, people. What we were talking about what we learned from these fights for years, like with BTAC-R, you know. So it's um. Because they happen so infrequently, it's a real good learning point for FCs uh, on how the game works in that amount of tie dye lag.
0: I also find it interesting how both sides are starting to look at the some of the server hiccups that are happening um, and use that in, in a in a way as a strategic element. Do you find that that's happening?
3: Yeah, I mean you have to. It's uh, it's actually something really interesting that uh, people have been memeing about uh, at least in NC dot for a while now. Uh, it feels like uh, the FCs right now. When I'm when I'm planning a fight like X forty seven, I'm not just planning north versus south. I'm also planning the players versus the server, right? And uh, it's definitely something you have to take into account. Is uh, all the tide, the lags. Will the node die? The node crash was something that we all kind of expected to happen, and I was really positively surprised that the node did not crash. Uh, CCP did put a lot of effort into that apparently, so that's that's nice, um, and it is also kind of funny because it is something that unites us. We're like, okay, we're grr goons, grr Dot, whatever. We fight each other. But then together, we also kind of fight the server. And uh, especially for us FCs, at least, uh, we do it in the Blue Donut a lot. We talk about the, the, you know, the tie-dye and the lag effects of, in these fights. And we're all kind of uh, a little bit frustrated over it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy that uh, X47 worked the way it did. It was okay to play right like it was a very long fight there was a lot of dc's don't get me wrong but it was it was okay to play
0: i think lady scarlet was pretty not okay with how often she was uh, knocked out of the game also a uh, shout out to panther x corporate uh, mate of mine in destructive influence uh, who was
4: um, part uh, of a uh, funny funny story matter all actually yeah, yeah. when the call was made to target panther x i was like oh no that's dice it might be matter roll <laughs> we were trying to figure out if it was you or not. <laughs> yeah.
0: You'll see me. Uh, I decided to make Matterall a titan
4: alt. Okay, so, so it, will, uh, it will be Matterall. Okay. You will
0: see the name Matterall as you aim and destroy his, my avatar, avatar. or Avatar. I think I'm going to use an
1: avatar
6: from now on, though. Yeah. <laughs> the survival is rate's
1: higher. Softer.
6: Speaking of which on survival rates, why were goons targeting so many avatars? I mean, of course, we killed a few of them, but let's... For example, that slice avatar, Raven, he survived. Just what we could lock.
4: It was just what we could lock. That, that was the the truth of it. Is um, the Erebuses? They I don't know what was wrong with them, but maybe uh, the people in avatars were firing their guns at something, and they were locking something, so they you know got tackled, and that's why we went for them.
5: Something else with dropping the supers right on the Titan fleet too is you kind of take the uh, Keepstar DD out of it because you can target it. But then the jumps after that are all by mass. So any NC dot Titans or or NC dot family Titans that are untethered would take all the bounces of the DD as well.
4: Yeah. So like, it, yeah, it, it, it 100% remove that because if they were to be like, okay, we've got this Nix down to you know 30% armlets DD with with the Keep Star, then the Keep Star would bounce from that Nix, probably kill it, and then bounce to another you know NC dot Titan because
2: it, it has more mass or whatever. And a similar argument could be made for why back we saw in the fight of UALX, why legacy dropped their dread bomb right in the middle of the super blob. It wasn't necessarily just zero on zero on the faxes. It was so they couldn't be bosoned, which are more effective versus regular capitals than they are versus super capitals. That's a question I wanted to ask you guys in this interesting opportunity of having experienced super cap FCs. It's worth noting for our audience, if you haven't seen it, Rooks and Kings put out a new video, and we won't talk about it too much. But in it, they discussed quite heavily what they called Lancer Squad, which were titans who were trained extensively in how to use doomsdays. And I noticed that on Serenity, they use Lance doomsdays a whole lot more than we do here on TQ. Can we talk a bit about the difference between targeted doomsdays, lances, bosons, and why you'd want to use one over the other, per- perhaps in context of the X-47 fight?
6: Well, one right. of the first main differences is the launch. Uh, the launch of the Target Doomsday is a max lock range, so it's 200 kilometers. And the main boats tend to sit at that launch. Uh, the launch is 200, the Reaper is 150.
4: It wouldn't make sense to, not lol Reaper, yeah, it wouldn't make sense to use like Lance or even Reapers in that situation because we're, we're at, you know, 230 to 270 in range. So it just wouldn't be in range. Like lances are really good at killing subcaps. Uh, and like maybe like a dread gang if they like all sign them in on one signo. But apart from that, I don't really see a game for them. Like a yeah, Lance like is a, incredibly like a narrow. Use, yeah, to
5: me, Lance, Lance is like a rifle. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. a sniper shot. You gotta be pretty good at aiming it, but it does a crap ton of damage. But a boson is more like a shotgun. You know, you just fire in that general direction and it cones out and it'll, it'll encompass a lot bigger area. And of course the lance
6: is also indiscriminate. So if you have a wall, just imagine a fleet of 200 titans launching a target, not only will they be damaging a lot of their own ships that are at the front of the blob, the fact that they are all in a big ball, all the launch don't have the same axis, right? So they will converge on a single point, but the rest of the, that point is will, be, will be very small. Around that point, the damage will be spread, targets won't die. So it's really not efficient for these situations.
2: So it sounds like collateral damage is a big thing you have to take into account when you're looking at these sort of doomsdays. Let's talk about the collateral damage that came out of this x 47 fight. Just quickly recap, the timer's been pushed to halt Timer. The majority of people, even Kayla, has said it on air that we expect this Keepstar will die. We've seen another Keepstar that previously belonged to GOTG be transferred to NCdot, at least reportedly. And we've also seen some other things happening. Let's talk quickly while we have you here, Kenneth. We saw some effects on the market coming out of this x 47 7 fight. Do you have any specifics that you can talk
5: about there? Um, it, it, I mean, it's just generally what you'd expect. A lot of the ore got bought out of Jita in a relatively short amount of time. The one thing that hasn't really been affected has been the index. And that's like if you take, and you take 100 Veldspar and you refine it, and what you get uh, compared to the price of tritanium, and that percentage is is basically where the refined percentage sits at. The ore and the minerals went up roughly the same amount. Now, I think the minerals went up a little bit beforehand. I didn't track it that close, but they're they're still relatively close. But overall, they're more expensive, and there's a whole lot less in Gita. Um, you know, Delve on on the INN stream during the fight, they were talking about number of hours of mining left in Delve to replace what they had, and they're not. They don't think that Panfam and NC Dot have the ability to to ramp up to that. Um, I haven't built anything in quite some time. I was mainly uh, selling off a few of my Bridge Titans that I use, but I mean, if, if push comes to shove and we have to ramp back up. Ah, uh, rest assured that there's a uh, industry mechanism they are ready to go.
0: Aren't we at shove, though? I mean, well, don't answer that question. Let me give you a different question. That is, what's the difference between the ratio of ore uh, unrefined ore to the refined product, tritanium? like what's what's it mean when that gets distant as opposed to not being distant?
5: Well, it it kind of it's it's like a self-correcting market. A lot of it's based on the high sec rate, the max rate that you get in high sec, depending on if, if someone refines it in high sec and then sells the minerals versus selling the ore. And typically, they'll look at the market, or they should be looking at the market and sell the higher one. So if if there's more profitability in selling the minerals, then they'll refine it, sell the minerals. If it's more profitability in selling the ore. Then they'll sell the ore, but it normally averages out somewhere around the high-sec refine. but you get much better refine in null-sec. So null-secers tend to buy the ore. Not only that, they can ship it a lot easier and then refine in null-sec, and you actually gain some percentage points over buying the minerals to build off of.
0: So does that tell us anything about the nature of the industrial core behind the north or? the South that is financing these, the, the attrition war of, of big ships uh, dying or the potential of big ships dying and taking a lot of resources with them. Is there Uh, anything to see yet? Is not,
5: um, yeah, I don't think you've seen the full repercussions yet. There's still a lot of minerals out there that are people are sitting on um, that they can build with. Uh, You know, if, if stuff in Gita was cheap, I'm sure they, it got bought out quick. Well, I know it got bought out quick because I sat there and watched it scroll during the middle of the fight. Practically um, sold
4: out. Just, well, we, aren't, we aren't done yet, though, are we? It's like, no. not Wednesday and we're going to fight again.
5: Sure, and then, you know, the, the DO6 Keepstar comes up and there's another fight. You know, it's, it's, it, it's how it ramps up and, and who gets pinched first.
3: Well, I actually come. love that there is these kind of fights. and The, the, the good thing is that we already have a fight like this at this, like sem- I would say, it's still the start of the war. I would still say it's probably like the starting, the late starting phase of the war, right? And um, it's, I, I think this could be a really interesting war in, in in long run because this is just the beginning, and we've already had the second biggest fight Eve has ever seen, and there's more to come. There's so many more keeps us in the north that fights could be happening over, and there's so many more opportunities uh, for this stuff to happen. So yeah, very nice. interesting.
0: I am loving this summer war. This is the, this is amazing. Like
3: it's I think that's amazing. also one thing that unites the majority of Eve. Like it doesn't matter if you're Imperium, doesn't matter if you're NC daughter or anyone else. Like the fact that there's actual real content again, actual real war is good. And I think mm-hmm. everybody's happy about that.
2: Amen. It's worth noting that it's not just the big super capital battles that are happening. Yeah, those are fun, those are great, they make headlines, they make Eve look good in the wider media. I don't know if they're fun, but yeah. It's
4: the fuzzy self-timers that really get me going. Those, that's where the real content is. <laughs> yeah, I actually, that's exactly... That's
6: why you're not coming today. Come on, we were waiting for you.
4: <laughs> already killed two i hubs today, Seb. Give me time.
6: So two iHubs a day makes... We'll uh...
2: we'll, we'll
0: talk about that I have in a minute cause it's very important. We'll get to that in just a minute. But uh, go ahead, uh, Artemis.
2: Well, no, that's exactly where I was going. We have Sebastian oh. here from CO2. They are taking the main brunt of the and Warfare, which is frankly where the majority of the pilots playing EVE right now are going to be getting their content out of this war, at least those... Don't are
6: the forget Front Connection, our brothers in Pureblind, they are also fighting mightily from the hypes.
2: So can you talk to us a little bit about how it's going, defending your space, running these timers, what sort of fleets are we seeing, how are the fights turning out, are they, do they have the ability to escalate, or are they just small skirmish things that are hours of fun?
6: Oh, it really, really, really depends. I would say um, there are basically two scenarios. Either you see the solo CFC guy in his Vexor on EROS or whatever, he starts onto this, we have a ping. And as soon as people see that notification, it's a race from DW to wherever he is to be able to get on his camera. So none of these have been able to reinforce anything from the start of this conflict. And then, when goons actually want to win for shit, they have to form fleets, so the Ferox fleet, abaddons, or unions for minute, whatever. And then we can have fights and brawls. And, um, not many have escalated, I think, uh, except one that was phew, several weeks ago in NKD. But apart from that, they tend to stay on the um, s- small side, I would say. But recently, from there have been less fights because um, goons tend to. Not common as they have much more than they were before. They tried before with smaller Ferox fleet, like a single Ferox fleet. Now they bring a bigger frog fleet on some jackdaws with them. They try to be more efficient in the way they uh, they fight. And, of course, we respond in kind. So, for yeah, now, so we so have I've been hard holding hard while. Hard. We have lost uh, two iabs on Friday, which were the first two we lost. French Connection lost two today. So, if it's four iabs in one month... That's a ratio that's sustainable, I think. Of course, one of these is very important, as Artemis hinted.
4: Jay, let's uh, you've obviously got something. They're all important oh. They're all important because one every jammer we kill or every uh, I iHub we kill is one less jammer that you can online.
6: Oh yeah, but um when you go down to the line, we are not using this space right now because of the war, right? So of course you can burn herbs. that's value lost, that's isk lost. Well. Same as losing ships, so it's like saying it's like saying that uh, killing, uh, let's say, five vortex is important. Uh, we know, we I can tr- you can't trade space that, for time yeah. in that kind of war, you know.
3: So. I don't I don't really agree with that. I think that I think that um, what Jay said is, is pretty much accurate. Like the one thing we we have going for us so far was the jammers, and for the first two three weeks it worked pretty nicely with the jammers, um, and now goons have shifted their strategy. Because that's the right. They did the right thing. They started uh, going after the jammers, the iHubs, which is effectively going after the jammers. And that's how you have to play this. Um, that's how we played it versus CO2 when we invaded Tribute. Uh, we struggled at the start as well of this of the Tribute invasion uh, because of the jammers, and we weren't really able to utilize our capital superiority with with NC and PL. Um, but then we start we we shifted our strategy away from br- trying to brute force citadels and jam systems, and we started uh, going after the hubs. And that's how you you have to play this in the long run. The question now is how well can we. Defend these iHubs. How long can we? Uh, how long can we sustain the the, the constant, you know, phases of timers? And that's that's again going into the whole like war of attrition thing that I think pretty much it's everybody not, agrees not much on. Not not. If we can hold them, it's how long we can hold them for. It's, it's, it's yeah, real.
4: exactly right. Like
3: that. That's the thing.
6: Like what, yeah, but what, at the so end of the day, the only iHubs that really matter are those in the constellation with a Keepstar, a staging Kipstar, for example, right? I mean, right, I we'll losing a constellation of space that has no staging Keepstar. Yeah, but they I,
3: killed the 7x one this morning.
6: Yes, yeah, oh. that's the first one they actually killed. But it is a Keepstar, but not a staging one. I mean, is there a probability to enforce it tonight or tomorrow? I don't know. I don't care. Maybe we'll fight for it. Maybe we won't. But, again, that's just one Keepstar. So, as far as the objective goes, that's, like you said, 200 and something billion isk. Yeah, it's a nice camera, But that's not something that's going to change the course of the war.
2: Let's talk about the course of the war. And I'm glad you brought up the war that NCDOT and PL had when they were pushing into Tribute and sort of nudging towards Veil of the Silent about a year ago now. Talk a bit about how those parallel and how those are different. And one thing I want to bring up is sovereignty warfare, even though it's still Asia-Sov, even though it's still Fozzy-Sov, the mechanics have changed significantly. You can remote repair in ships. And Intosa ships have massive increases to their sensor strengths with a more difficult ECM. Fuzzy claws have also been nerfed. So those were the the three big defining factors of how solid warfare was handled in almost every single war to this date. How is this war different?
3: I mean, first of all, and I do not want to offend any of our current allies or anything, but uh, obviously fighting goons is different than fighting CO2 and Tests. Uh, especially back two years ago, when we invaded Tribute, it was NCPL versus and Horde versus Test and uh, uh, versus Test and CO2, and we had a staggering capital superiority. So we were able to drop around our caps pretty freely. We didn't have to consider much while doing it. And now we're fighting goons who are a very real opponent in terms of what they can feel. Their numbers are massive. They're they're flash like they just flash form hundred titans and shit like that so there's a lot more consideration you have to take uh, when you or you have to do when you go into one of these timers um, uh, but I think that most of it is pretty similar uh, I don't think there's that much indie shit going on um, I, th- I think the, the Entosis meta has somewhat shifted towards fast skirmishy doctrines I think munins are really great for fuzzies off at the moment depending on what your opponent brings obviously Uh, uh, Jackdaws, probably the doctrine of choice. Jackdaws and Feroxes are what goons do the most for the Entosis fights. And those make sense because they're both pretty fast. They're they're both uh, skirmishy. They're rather cheap. Uh, Feroxes are still incredibly broken. You Literally 50 million per hull. And they're so strong. Uh, And I think that's kind of what is different about the war. Like two years ago when we invaded Tribute and Vale, we had full capital superiority. And uh, now we don't. Now we, especially with PL being south uh, with their super fleet, which is a huge factor, uh, we, uh, we don't have that capital superiority, right? And that's something
4: is The only reason this war is happening is because PL moved out of the north.
0: Yeah. The split of the uh, sister yeah. alliances. Right. Yeah, I mean,
3: there was a call to be made, right? There was a call to be made, and uh, the the decision to move super south was definitely a, a good call for a southern front. Unfortunately, the whole southern momentum has, since UALX, has kind of just gone away. i uh, not really sure what the the bros are doing down there at the moment, but uh, yeah, well, right um, now... It's
4: also bad, and it's also... Like, do you really want to be sat inside Killer fc for 12 hours a day when the weather's like this outside? It's also another factor in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is what's really weird is this is happening during the summer. Normally you have the big fights in January, which are culminations of the fall and winter. And then you have a big, you know, meeting of the, of the forces in, in around January. Like three of the biggest fights previous to this summer were basically late January. But this is happening it, in the summer.
1: So it's not know? a normal summer either. It's a really, really warm summer for a lot of mm-hmm. these folks.
0: But. Yeah. but what, what, what can you tell us, Carneros, or anybody about the fact that it's happening this summer? Is there any precipitating
3: factors? The well, normies want to go outside and have family?
5: And BTEC-R <laughs> okay. R had nothing to do with any time of year. It was simply a freaking glitch or didn't pay, whatever. It doesn't matter. Something didn't get paid and, and, a, and a TCU went boom. You know, that had, well, that could have happened. Yes,
0: but no, because
5: head GP. Days.
0: Sorry, you're right. But head GP happened right before that. And it's because two capital fleets were in proximity to one another. So something was going to happen. It just failed to happen in head GP. And because it was an error, we write right, it triggered what was supposed to happen a couple of days before. But there was still kind of a winter, everything masses up to a winter showdown. And this is totally different. It's so different on so many different levels. You have even teams, you have a lot of people putting a lot of stuff at risk a lot of uh, traveling, uh, and it's all in the summer, which is very interesting.
2: Another thing that's interesting is that, as Killa alluded to, this is happening on two fronts. So we've been talking a lot about the northern front. That's because that's where the massive battle of X-47 happened. But things have been happening down on the southern front, although maybe not as quickly as Killa and his allies had liked, or perhaps going in the opposite direction as he referenced. So let's talk quickly. We don't have anybody who is active in that war zone that I know of on the show. So let's just quickly recap what's happened down there since the last show. So since the Battle of UALX, we've had—well, I know it's absolutely not nothing. We've had massive Slav initiatives being taken care of. Right? There is definitely a shift of momentum from the attacker side to the defender side, they're pushing back. They're starting to take Sov back.
1: Which one's attacker and which one's defender?
2: Thank you for asking. The defenders are Imperial Legacy, in particular the legacy component of that, which is Test, Brave, etc. And then the attackers, some people call them the Holy Meteorite Coalition. So you've got Lumpy, you've got Fraternity, you've got PL who moved down, you've got Triumvirate, thank you. We've got skill yourself, the people who helped push the DRF out of the East. So still massive groups, groups with a lot of weight behind them, having this completely sort of tied together, but separate geographically war happening. And another interesting thing to note is that in this war, it seems to have just gone missed. Another keep star has been anchored from what I hear. A keep star was anchored in Teneriffus by blades of grass of all people this week.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're not a top-tier participant and have fewer eyes on them at the moment. No offense. Their, uh, right, their so, size makes them different.
0: So we have a lot going on in the South. I want to wrap it up. And uh, so the war is continuing on both fronts, but since we have Northerners here, I want to get to uh, predictions before we wrap up the show. Like, like where do they think things are going? Because it, very funny that Kill a Bee is... In my, in my view, or at least at the beginning of the show, wasn't really spinning. He was saying this is an important Keepstar, when in fact, this NC staging Keepstar may not be as important as it would seem normally. And that's the point that Jay Amazingness made. So I, I do want to ask them now, like in a candid way, like where they think this is going to go and what to look for in the future. And that kind of is open to anybody. Like, um,
5: Well, I, I don't think anyone thinks it's gonna live. I mean, that's, that, that's a proven mechanic, no matter tie-dye or not. Uh, the timer is so early that it, it will die before downtime. The only thing that can save it at this point is a server crash. Yeah,
1: and that, Are that would actually-, you actually predicting be about the fight or about the war in general? Because I, I think the war is gonna go on for a while still. Well, this is, it's yeah. not, it's gonna be, this is not gonna be a short war from what I can tell. It's gonna go on. And, uh, and I have to admit, that I'm happy about that. Why do you think it's going to go
0: on, though? I mean, is there, is there no sign of a killing strike in here or anything like that, a fail cascade?
4: Do you want uh, conditions of uh, victory? Is that what you want, all?
3: <laughs> yeah. Dude, make me COGG yeah,
4: to collapse and Wait, CO2 what? to have
3: zero members. That's our end goal. And
0: hand over uh, all right. All right. Nick X's wife.
3: Can, you, can, you, can we make that a formal agreement, Jay? I just want to go play the new WoW expansion, dude. <laughs>
4: uh, no wait a not minute i is... for the trying to make agreements
0: well. We're, uh, uh, we're talking about agreements and diplomatic uh, struggles can I find some kind of um, wiggle room so you guys didn't, don't destroy the sanctuary keep stars that I'm working very hard to keep alive we'll talk after the show talk to Marana okay. oh great <laughs> she and I are good friends but uh, frenemies oh, I do want to say the um, that, uh kenneth was right i mean this this thing and i think Killaby said the same thing this keep star will probably not survive but um beyond that i really think that there's what is i mean is this really unpredictable as it seems
5: at this point i would imagine so i uh, no one's no one's even blinked yet i mean the only way the keep star i mean even the keeps the two
4: keeps will still die but i mean. PL will probably come up north if they're actually going to make a serious attempt at it. And that means that the campaign in the south is pretty much over. So that means that Tests are free to, you know, do a a lot more and uh, move around the map a lot more freely.
0: Well, if that's the case, then I imagine PL would come back and reinforce the north, which would be a significant shift, wouldn't it?
2: I I expect them to. Hmm. So you expect then, Jay, that this war will collapse from two fronts to one front? Probably. That's a very interesting prediction. Anybody well, else uh, no,
5: want to put their... There's a lot more than PL the in the south. So, you know, where, where PL goes doesn't necessarily uh, mean that any front's going to go away.
4: Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, but... Mm, if you were to go to the north, you would see a massive drop in your fleet participation, I think. People would realize that they're home and that, oh, maybe you know, logging in once every three weeks on where super isn't that fun. They just wouldn't show up.
5: Yeah. All
2: right, well, let's, let's well. move to stuff where I think everyone should be showing up, even though we've had lackluster attendance as of late, and that's the Alliance Tournament. Just noting that an upcoming match at 1740, so just here in, what is that, 17 minutes, we've got Northern Coalition facing off against Pandemic Legion, Highly recommend you guys go and check that out. For drama, not to mention the fact that these are both seasoned teams, both expected to do relatively well in the tournament. So we should have some pretty high-level, high-quality fights going on there. So recommend you go and check out later today the Tuskers versus Exodus. Once again, two AT heavyweights facing off at 1840. Also, we've got Castabouts versus a Band Apart facing off at 1920. And I'll highlight this match because these are both two quirky teams who tend to do weird things, but they're also just consistently okay and good at the Alliance Tournament. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. If you haven't been keeping up with the Alliance Tournament, watching every match, I'd recommend you go back to last Saturday's matches and check out Losechnia Slopen versus Slice. We've got a VOD link for you on that one. Also, Test Alliance, please ignore versus Goonswarm because, of course, why wouldn't you go and see that? And no vacancies versus few was also a fantastic match. I recommend people go check out links to all those will be in the show notes for the podcast and the stream for the Alliance tournament is happening right now. So as soon as this podcast is off air, head over there, check out the fights. Any other final concluding words from people? We're not
0: quite there yet. We're not quite there yet. I want to do one, a little bit more of this. Uh, sorry, we have good people here. We have in in public channel, we have Apple and Villy two waiting. Um, but uh, after the show, we'll, we'll all jump into public and you guys as fans can jump into Discord, TIS to join us uh, and talk about all the stuff that was on the show and more. If you have questions, these guys are very public friendly, so that's good. But before we go, I do want to jump a little bit into um, the War of Attrition, which we brought up earlier. Um, because the, 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 the horizon looks like the Empire Builders and the Imperium are in a much better position to last longer than the Northern Front or Pandemic Legion in the South with uh, Skill U and that stuff. We're talking about lifestyles. You have the mercenary lifestyle of the North and the empire builders in the South. And that's what we're seeing is the collision of philosophies on how to win this game.
1: Well, the the North, I see the North as being all to also have to factor in the rental empire because they have a massive rental empire and that provides them some mitigation for the Delve Industrial Empire. So uh, there's a little yeah. bit of a balancing factor there. I'm I may be on drugs, but uh, that's that's my gut reaction.
0: You're right. Uh, mercenary uh, lifestyle has income properties to it, uh, and a lot of that is kind of ex- extortion and renting. It's uh, one or the other. It depends on how you look at it. Um, do you you guys are from all parts of this game? How do you think this is going to play out, or is it as big a deal as it seems?
3: I can only talk fancy though, but we're pretty good on money uh so I don't know how uh, I don't know how well c o two and g o t g or dead, as they call themselves now cope losing uh stuff like we do but uh yeah we're pretty we're pretty flooded with cash, so for us we could do this for a while. Um, our money mostly we so I guess the Goons have a lot of like value and assets like lots of data also have lots of liquidisk of course but they also have like huge stockpiles of stuff and you know um Era has worked pretty hard to uh, build those up but NC uh, uh, dot's money is mostly in just cash and we have a lot of it so we'll see I think at least for us I can only again I can only speak for ncdot dot. Uh, Attrition-wise, we can do this a long, long time, but I definitely can see other groups in the North uh, not being able to hold all this long, so it is to be seen.
2: If I were to make a prediction for how this war would end, I'd say it's not decided by who has more ISK or who has the bigger war chest. I think the war chests of both sides, although not the same in quantity or size, are big enough to last the war. I think that morale is going to be the deciding factor.
1: And I think I can speak a little bit for the general line members in the Imperium. Uh, And the general line members are expecting this to go on for a while. They're not expecting this to end anytime soon.
0: Sebastian, uh, you're a brilliant mind. Uh, I believe you work with numbers very well. I even heard that you were analyzing data off of uh, Battlefield, which is pretty interesting. I like spreadsheets on numbers, so yes,
6: sometimes I do. What are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Oh, what you a bit of everything, forward? basically. Uh, well, of course, force ratios, uh, damage application ratios, because a ship on a field is one thing, but what damage is it? The kind of things you can see on the battle report tools, right? But I do my own completions myself because, well, stuff I like to do, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and what do you think about the war of attrition if it becomes that sort of thing?
6: History has proven that one side lose not when they are out of money, not when they are out of space, but when they stop and to fight. And that's all there is to this game in the end. If you don't want to unduck and fight anymore, you have lost. As long as you have the will to unduck and fight, you are still in the fight. Well said. All right. Good enough place to end the show. Uh, sorry
0: about the technical problems earlier in the show. Uh, thank you, Artemis, for taking us through the stuff that's going on uh, in this northern front and also in the Alliance Tournament. Uh, If there is nothing else, I do want to plug one thing. I'll throw it to Carneros. What's going on on the 18th?
1: Oh, ah, if you're in Southern California on Saturday, the 18th of August at eight o'clock in the morning, they're opening the bar early for us. We're going to watch our our monthly Eve player meetup is going to be an AT watching party. So come on out and join us finals weekend, Saturday, the 18th at Kaminsky's Barbecue in Poway. Thank you
0: i will be there and i'm driving uh gobbins down with me yay uh, and lady scarlet will be there too so if you want to come meet us that is going to be as fun we'll have a fun place
1: a great time we'll have a great time yeah day drinking
0: there's food alliance tournament uh some big names gobbins and lady scarlet uh it'll be a good time if you're in the san diego or los angeles area you should definitely come down maybe we can drag dunk dinkle down there with us or the pope all right well thanks very much for sticking with us today uh that is all that we are going to have time for this week and god every week is so different from the last uh, i am glad to be back on vacation thank you artemis for holding down the fort thank you Carnaros. uh thank you uh our guests today killer Bee, Jay, amazingness kenneth feld and of course sebastian saint fruskin thank you guys very much Uh, We will be back next week, but that's all we have on this episode of Talking In Stations. Go watch AT.